JFK, our premier broadcast into Washington, D.C. Back in Washington. Oh, that feels good. Inside the Beltway on the After Further Review Podcast Network. Broadcasting live outside of our nation's capital. It's showtime. Here is your host. My name is Lord. Damn right it is. Connor Forrest. Welcome, welcome in. We are broadcasting live outside of our nation's capital. Day one, episode one of Inside the Beltway on the After Further Review Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in wherever you are. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and happy Wednesday to everybody out there as we broadcast live in our Ashburn studios. It is Wednesday, August 9th, the year of our Lord, 2023. So excited to be here with you on our debut episode. We have a lot to get into today. Um, So we'll give you a quick show rundown as to what to expect for this episode, uh, and then we'll get into a little bit of what this specific show is going to entail throughout this season. Uh, So for today's episode, let's just go through a little bit of a a rundown sheet, shall we? Um, So we're going to go through news and notes from training camp. I was at training camp yesterday, took a couple notes for you. Uh, So we're going to run through the news and notes from training camp out in Ashburn, Um, Ron Rivera suffered a little bit of foot-in-mouth syndrome, um, had some comments yesterday at his um, press conference that got people stirred up, Um, and we're also going to preview a couple things to watch. I have three things to watch for this preseason game number one when the Commanders take the field for their first preseason game in Cleveland this Friday. Uh, So that is what our show rundown looks like today. Not going to be a long show, but you're going to get everything you need to know. Um, out of this show. Throughout the season, uh, this is going to be a Wednesday episode for you guys. Um, Inside the Beltway is going to be a commander's focus show. It's going to show up right on this feed. If you know people, if you know friends, if you know family who are commander's fans, you can let them know, hey, not only does this guy have an NFL podcast, but he's going to focus in on your commanders on Wednesdays. Uh, We're going to try to get some guests on the show uh, specifically throughout the year that kind of focus in on the commanders um, to give you guys all the angles you need. You might get more than one episode a week. It depends on the news. It depends on the schedule. Uh, But the hope is to make sure you guys get your Wednesday episode and you also get your Friday episode. So it is Wednesday as we're broadcasting live. Uh, Shawnee will be here with us tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening to broadcast for your Friday episode um, of After Further Review. Um, So make sure you guys are uh, checking that out. As well, that will be out on Friday. But for today, we are debuting our episode. I am riding solo here um, in our Ashburn studio uh, to give you guys uh, everything you need to know. Um, I'm definitely going to try to incorporate some of those after further review segments into this as well. If we can do a commander's only mailbag for Inside the Beltway, um, we will do that too. Want to take your guys' questions um, and make sure uh, you guys feel heard. So, um, Lots of cool things coming up. I know tomorrow, um, hopefully I'll have a couple more announcements on things that uh, we will be debuting um, in the coming weeks. But, but football's in the air. And that's, that's one of the great, this is just one of the great times of year. Um, we're in the dog days of summer. It's hot. I think we're starting to sense that fall is coming um, in the near future. Uh, time is just ever, it's just rolling so quick I can't keep on top of it. But 
you know, when, when you're walking around, especially here in Ashburn, I'm not far from the training facility. You can sense the energy in the air. Um, but just to see some of the high school kids on their way out to two-a-days, um, youth football practices starting up again for the fall season. Like, football is definitely back, um, and so are we. And I, I, I have some fun announcements coming up as to, you know, some content and some different things that I think you guys will really enjoy um, throughout this football season as we ramp up and get ready um, for uh, NFL Sunday kickoff, which is September 10th. Um, so lots to get into. Uh, we're going to get, uh, again, into some more show announcements tomorrow. But I want to start out with some of my takeaways from training camp yesterday. So let's give a lay of the land here. Uh, Commander's training camp has really been a story, a big story uh, in the last few weeks, just seeing the energy and seeing the crowd, uh, given Dan Snyder's departure and Josh Harris's ownership group um, coming together. Uh, and, and I think going out to training camp yesterday – it was the first time for me I had passed by. Like I said, I, I live by the facility, so I, I drive by it each day. But to be there um, in person to kind of see it and to feel it was really special. Um, I've been going to training camps, like I'd said last week on the episode, since 2004. Um, it was my first training camp, Joe Gibbs coming back, um, Joe, Kibbs, uh, Joe Gibbs 2.0, um, his second return in coaching the team from 04 to 07. Um, I remember that. Uh, very vividly as being um, a tremendous, tremendous memory uh, of going to training camp and the excitement and the energy and just being able to have the access to the players and the different facilities that were out there. And in recent years, obviously, the commanders took their training camp down to Richmond um, for a little while. I believe it was from 2000 and I want to say it was 12 or 13 all the way up to, to COVID. Um, but last year was the first time they had ticketed fans available to come see the practice in Ashburn and, and with new ownership this year it is a stark stark contrast uh, between the energy between attendance between the facilities what what they have going on out there the vendors the bleachers um, it was just remarkable uh, it just incredibly incredibly exciting uh, reminder that this season is going to be um, very energy filled regardless of what happens on the field at least for a little bit at least for a little bit. Um, I think there's going to be a, a very long and grace period, honeymoon period, if you want to say, for the new ownership. Um, but I, I just think the energy is really back in the nation's capital for football. Um, and I think people are, are really excited, and rightfully so. So so one of the first things I want to want to say is, is going out there is a great experience. And you should. If you, if you are in the area uh, and you want to go out and check out Training Camp do go get tickets, go Go out there for a little while. Go out there for an hour or two. If you want to stay the whole morning, if you want to stay for just an hour, and just experience it. Just go feel it. Um, it was just a ton of fun. So so I, I, I really I really think that there's such a great energy, and I think September 10th against Arizona, I think that game is going to be a sellout. Um, I think that's going to be a capacity crowd, and, uh, and, and I think in a good way. Not a capacity crowd last year like the Eagles game where, you know, 55,000 Eagles fans and 20,000 Commanders fans showed up. Um, I think it's going to be a buzzing atmosphere that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, so, so that was one of my first takeaways. Um, let's jump into a couple of the narratives that have been kind of tossed about um, commanders, you know, beat reporters, commanders Twitter, the blogosphere, if you want to say. This conversation about the, the, the quarterback uh, competition or quote-unquote competition for some reason, I have been feeling this kind of groundswell, uh, and, and Ron Rivera has kind of been the tip of the sphere leading this charge of 
planting seeds of speculation that there is a quarterback competition between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Um, I, I, I just think that's ridiculous. I think it's ludicrous. Um, I think I mentioned it a little bit on the last podcast we did. I kind of breezed over it. Um, but when you double-click on it, it, it is ludicrous to think that Sam Howell is not starting for this team week one. I mean, that, that is that is the whole purpose for the season is to see what you have in Sam Howell. And if not, you know, you're we're blowing this up and we're starting starting over again. Um, I want to start with the quarterbacks. I thought Joe Jacoby Brissett, I think yesterday specifically struggled a little bit with with some accuracy. I think his deep ball accuracy um, was a little bit off. Uh, it was a little bit off. Uh, he's got a great arm. Um, he's got a great arm, and I think he's going to be a fantastic number two option. Look, if anything, God forbid, were to happen, knock on wood to Sam Howell. Um, I think you feel really good about Jacoby Brissett stepping in there. But but this is Sam Howell's team. I mean, this is this is absolutely Sam Howell's team. Um, this is his job to lose drastically. I mean, he has to really, really lose this job. Um, he has to go out there in preseason and just just look like a high school quarterback um, for any of this conversation to really matter. Um, I think. Jacoby Brissett struggled a little bit yesterday. I think he's had a good camp, um, but but I, I do think that any you know conversation about there being a competition, I think that's that's some PR by Ron um, for for some reason. I'm not sure why, but that that is just the angle that they're taking there. Um, I thought Howe looked good. I thought Sam Howe looked good. I think he looked better. Um, I, you know, he obviously is 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 working working on improving, and I think that's the first thing the coaches are going to say is that there there has been some improvement. Um, you know, when you look at Sam Howell, you can see he's got the arm, uh, throws a beautiful deep ball, a couple deep balls to Terry yesterday, a couple deep balls to Jahan Dotson that really were just, uh, I mean, they were picturesque. I could see those on a movie screen all day. Um, he's got a really good arm. Um, he's got good pocket presence and, you know, he might not be the tallest guy, but, but he is, he is built. He's not lanky. I mean, he's, he's, he has good stature and a good build for a quarterback. Um, I thought he looked really good yesterday. I think he was working well in the red zone. I think the offense was doing some red zone drills, and he, he was able to really uh, work work the red zone on 11s pretty well. Um, he moved out of the pocket a lot. He was making some off-balance throws you know, against his body, which I thought translated well, and I think you're going to see that. Um, this season, for better or worse, I think Sam Howell works well when he's on the move. Um, I think it brings him back to his college days where, you know, again, he can run. Um, and do not be surprised if Eric Bieniemy uses that this season. His ability to run, um, I think that's going to be a tool for him. And, and it, you can see he's very comfortable as he works out of the pocket. And I think he, he, he looked well. Uh, looked well throwing left, looked well throwing right against his body. Um, and on the run, um, you know, not flat-footed. I, th- I, think he looked, I think he looked pretty good yesterday. Um, I think he's coming along nicely. I think, I think people should feel good about Sam Howell. Um, you know, when you look outside the quarterbacks, um, I think we know what this defense is. And we'll get into to some of the defensive takeaways. But... I want to talk specifically about the running game um, because I, I think, and I could be wrong. Um, I'd love to ask somebody who's you know on the daily B. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll text you know I'll text some people and, and see if I can get some answers on this. But for me, this is this is me personally speaking. I think it's really difficult to gauge the success of a running game in training camp. I think it's difficult, obviously, because guys aren't going fully one hundred percent in in terms of tackling and taking guys to the ground but you're also going up against the, the best front seven in football um arguably you know Deron Payne and John Allen looking fantastic Montez Sweat and Chase Young looking fast um I mean this is this is an elite front seven so it's difficult to gauge the running game um I I think Antonio Gibson maybe it was just my eyes but it looked like he slimmed down a little bit um don't be surprised if you see that guy lining up uh, in the slot, if you see that guy lining up um you know for swing passes taking a more receiver role um don't be surprised if you see that 
uh, this year. Again, it could have been my eyes, but but I feel like um, he slimmed down a little bit. But he looked looked good, and him and Brian Robinson looked good. I think the running game um, is is, is going to be good. Like I said, I think when preseason games start, you're going to get a better gauge of that running game. I think it's kind of difficult, at least for me, to really be able to gauge it in uh, in training camp. Um, I just wrote down Emmanuel Forbes is small, um, but gosh, does he play really physical? I mean, he really does outplay his size. Um, I thought he looked really good. I think that secondary is is well revamped. Um, Quan Martin in the second round and uh, Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, I think, is, is really going to uh, – it's really going to bring that uh, cornerback uh, room full circle, um, obviously with Kendall Fuller there and, and Benjamin St. Juiced, who are really solid one and two. Um, I think I think those corners are going to be good. Um, I think Washington's got to feel good about that secondary. Much, much improved from last year. I wrote down that Eric Bieniemy brings the energy. Um, it's really, really fun to see him bring uh, an energy that I think really rubs off on on the crowd there. Um, and I think is really, really positive for the team, um, just for my eyes. I think our tight ends are going to be interesting. I'll put it this way. I really do think we're one Logan Thomas injury away from from kind of being in trouble at the at the tight end room. And here's why. I think John Bates is a tremendous blocking tight end, and I I, I hope they use him more in the passing game. It, it, it's hard to to know. I mean, last year's quarterback situation made it really, really difficult to actually gauge that tight end room. John Bates is as is a great blocking tight end, but but what is he gonna give you in the passing game? It's hard. It's hard to know. We haven't seen it quite yet. And Logan Thomas, you know what he can give you in the passing game, but just can he stay healthy is a question. I think this all kind of really does whittle down to what what does Cole Turner give you? Um, they were using him in the red zone. I thought, um, you know, he he was a big target uh, for Hal and some of those seven on seven drills. Um, what can he give you? What can he give you? Can he stay healthy? Can he take that next step? Can he bring at least a little bit of what he brought in college? a big physical receiving tight end. Um, I, I think that's going to be really important because we didn't address that. We didn't address it in free agency. We did not address it in the draft. And the tight end market in free agency was huge. It was huge in free agency, and we ignored it. So I think that tight end room, you really have very little room for error in terms of injuries and in terms of guys just not playing to what we think they're capable of playing. I think Cole Turner is going to be a linchpin. How does he develop? How does he? How does his role expand this year? And then if Logan Thomas can stay healthy, because we know what John Bates can give you in the blocking game, his role in the passing game to me is going to come down to if Logan Thomas is healthy and if Cole Turner takes the next step. If either of those happen, I think John Bates' role stays the same. But that tight end room, I think, is a little concerning to me, to be, to be totally honest with you. They didn't address it in the draft, um, which was very deep in tight ends, and they didn't address it in the free agency realm where, again, there were a lot of tight ends free roaming. So, so the impact of that, we, we have yet to see. I could be totally wrong, but that, that is a concern to me. Other things around the offensive sphere, I wrote down, I think Byron Pringle makes the roster. Uh, Byron Pringle, the former chief, um, really shifty guy. I think he can be used um, a little bit everywhere, but I think he'll have a role in the special teams. Uh, I would love to see him at punt returner. We haven't had a really good electric punt returner now in a while. Um, so I, I, I think he has a role here, and I do think he makes the 53-man roster. Um, on the kicking side of things, um, this was another conversation that people were talking about. Michael Badgley, the former Charger, comes into camp, and he's competing with Joey Sly. Um, I, I just don't think Badgley has the leg. 
And I think when it comes to upside of kickers, you're going to want to take the distance. Um, Michael Badgley's an accurate kicker. I think he's a good kicker. Um, and obviously, Joey Sly had kind of this little rut in the middle of the season where I think his accuracy um, can come into question. But there is no doubt in anyone's mind that if, if you're lining up for a 57-yard kick, you know Joey Sly is either missing it left, missing it right, or making it. He's not coming up short. Uh, Joey Sly's got a leg for days, a former Virginia Tech kicker. He's a Virginia native as well um, and a former Panther. So Ron Rivera just, just loves everything about that. I think Joey Sly gets this job. I think Joey Sly is your kicker going into week one and for the rest of the season. Um, I know there was a lot made of, of Badgley coming in, uh, but I, I do think that Joey Sly is going to be your kicker week one against the Cardinals. Um, and, and one guy that actually stood out to me uh, tremendously yesterday, and a guy that I think has been standing out to coaches, I, certainly there have been clips uh, in, in Commander's Twitter circulating around. I think Christian Holmes has looked tremendously good. Uh, Christian Holmes is a seventh-round pick, and multiple times um, lining up against Terry, he was just completely and utterly blanketing Terry, which which was really impressive. I think I think Christian Holmes is a legit good depth cornerback. Um, I think you got to feel good uh, about uh, about him as as a depth guy. Again, I think this this you know this defensive back room for Washington is really really solidly upgraded. Um, I, I I do think that. It came at the cost of of them clearly choosing to upgrade the the defensive back room over the linebacker room, which I think is going to be a concern, especially if Jamin Davis is going to face off field troubles and, and if he's in line and miss any time at all, I think that's a concern. But I think Christian Holmes he stood out to me uh, tremendously. Seventh rounder, he was he was all over the place yesterday making plays. Final point that I will say. Um, that I mentioned earlier is going to be the fact that I I, I literally just wrote down the sentence. The linebackers are an injury away from being a problem. Um, maybe I'm proven wrong. Uh, maybe David Mayo and um, maybe Cody Barton are, are going to be really good, you know, solid pieces. And Jamin Davis takes another big step forward this year. But but I really do believe, especially if Jamin Davis is in line to miss time, as I said, I think the linebackers are an injury away from being um, an unfortunate problem. That is what I have for you. Those are my notes from training camp. Um I think as camp progresses, as we start getting into preseason games, um, a lot of these open-ended questions, we're going to start tying some bows on them. Um, But we're going to get into the three things I want to see and I want to look specifically for um, that are going to touch up on some of my notes from training camp. But I have three things that I want to look forward to um, and and I want to see on Friday uh, for the Commanders against the Browns preseason game number one we got three things uh but first I do want to touch up on Ron Rivera putting his foot a little bit in his mouth so it was at the end of his uh press conference yesterday it was Nikki Javala from the Washington Post Nikki does an awesome job um but it was like I believe it was her last question um she asked a question to Ron a pretty simple one um at that about kind of Eric Bieniemy's impact on the team and this is what he had to say. So let's, uh, I have the audio here. So let's, let's take a listen here to, to what Ron had to say. In his intensity, have players had to kind of adapt to that and have any, I guess, sort of struggled with that at times? Yeah, I mean, they have. And, 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 and one of the biggest things is, is, is you know, and I've, I had a number of guys come to me and I say, hey, just go talk to him. I said, understand what he's trying to get across to you, you know, and, 
And I think, you know, I think as they go and they talk and they listen to them, it, it's, it's, been, it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys. I mean, it's a whole different approach. Um, you know, you, you, again, you're getting a different kind of player from, from the players back in the past, um, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. So a lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain, certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys coming from other programs aren't as much. So, you, you know, us as a coach, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric Eric hasn't had that that that, uh, that experience yet. Just that when they came to you, it was just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard? or Well, um, they just were. So the, the last word there was they were concerned, the, the audio cut out. Um, I, I want to get to Eric Bieniemy's response to this because I think it was a great response, and, and then I'll, I'll react on the other side. Hi. Um, have there have there been instances where players have, um, I guess, struggled to adapt to your coaching style and have come up to you and had a conversation about it? So before it even goes anywhere, I make it the point to address the conversation because one thing, my job is to be a very observant. I, I got to know the people that I'm discussing and and, uh, and working with. So my job is to address. If there's something that. They may have an issue with, please, let's discuss this. Here's the reason why I felt a certain way. Here's why I said it. Now, okay, I put it back on the player. And you got to understand, we're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating clarity. I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. They also know when I'm getting on them, ain't nothing personal. What's personal is that, I want us to win. I expect that particular player to be great at all times. I expect the effort to be a standard that's uh, accepted by all of us. So when you're not reaching that, it's my job to address it. So sometimes they may like the highlights and the praise, but sometimes they may not like it. And I'm perfectly fine with that because that's my job. Because if I ain't doing my job, my ass get fired. So. It's my job and my responsibility to make sure and I'm getting our guys to do what I expect them to do. There's Eric Bieniemy, uh, obviously offensive coordinator for the commanders. So lots to get into um, here on this specific topic. I heard the press conference um, on Twitter like a lot of you did. Um, I was walking out of the park uh, with a buddy of mine who showed me the ESPN article uh, with with Ron's quote, um, Ron's quote rather, um, they are concerned. This unfortunately is just another foot and mouth, um, and I do love Ron, and I think Ron's a good coach, but I think he really struggles at this aspect of communication with media, um, and I think he just doesn't understand sometimes. Um, <laughs> I think that great line in Hamilton, where Aaron Burr says to Alexander Hamilton, "Talk less." <laughs> Smile more, right? I think Ron needs to talk less. <laughs> I think he really struggles at this aspect of communications, especially with the media. Um, you don't need to say this, whether it's correct, whether it is not. 
whether you are concerned about Eric Bieniemy's uh, communication with the players, whether there's an actual rift, whether this is just a couple rookies that are that are bitching and moaning, um, or whether this is a nothing story or an everything story. Ron has been in this league long enough to understand these things all happen behind closed doors. They have to happen behind closed doors because you or me are not going to understand. Media members who are on site are still not going to understand. People within the core of that building don't understand unless you're a coach and you're a player, the dynamic between a coach and a player. Those things have to happen within the confines of the team. The second that escapes the confines of the team. Now, you've noticed I haven't even gotten to the question of, is Eric Bieniemy wrong or not? Is Coach Ron wrong or not? Either of these, these are all secondary to the fact that any of these conversations that start to rise outside of the doors of the building, you begin a bad cycle. You begin to distrust. You begin to plant the seeds of, wait a second, is this a cover your ass operation? Is this a, hey, if things go wrong, I'm going to blame Eric situation? Um, is it not? Is it just clumsy Ron, which which I think it is? Um, these things are have very serious ramifications when it comes to how dynamics in locker rooms work. If you feel like your true feelings are going to eventually find their way out in the media behind your back, if you feel like I can't have an honest conversation with coaches on my staff or players on my team because I feel like they're going to go to coach and coach is going to cry to the media, that destroys locker rooms. That destroys trust. And if there's anything that holds locker rooms together, especially at times when teams are struggling, is a trust. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Now, I don't believe that Ron went out of his way to purposefully cause a story. I personally do not believe in any capacity that Ron was trying to sabotage Eric Bieniemy in saying this. I think this is clumsy Ron. I think this is, this is just you get in front of a mic and you word vomit. And you're not quite sure what you're saying and you talk too much. Again, Aaron Burr said it to Alexander Hamilton. Talk less. <laughs> Smile more. Ron needs to watch Hamilton a couple times and just realize he needs to talk less. Because these things grow legs. And especially at training camp, before you've even gotten to the point where you are helmet to helmet, playing games, playing meaningful games, divisional games, playoff implicating games, you don't want these things to start and to fester. That's the biggest takeaway for me. Ron has got to be much more careful. And he's just, you know, I remember when uh, Jack Del Rio was fined. He fined Jack Del Rio, our defensive coordinator, last offseason. Um, uh, find him during training camp. And Ron went on this big tirade of the First Amendment and how you know important he finds the First Amendment. And it was just this big, gigantic spiel of, no, no, these are in-house matters. Handle them in-house. And please just talk less. Now, to respond to the Eric Bieniemy, you know, conversation, this side of it, where Ron talks a little too much and he's clearly just has a bad habit of letting worms out of cans and just not being able to gather them. I'm going to say this about Eric Bieniemy. Is he a boisterous guy? Is he a loud coach? Is he a guy that gets in people's faces? Maybe rubs players the wrong way? Maybe turns some people off? Okay. Maybe. It's the case. Maybe it's too much for some people. Maybe some players are off-put. Maybe some fans are off-put. Okay. 
if I'm Eric Bieniemy, my response is very simply holding my hand up and showing two Super Bowl rings and going, listen, I come from a winning culture. I come from a winning organization. I'm a winner. I know how to build winners. I did it with Andy Reid for years. You all have not sniffed winning for 25 years. Get in the backseat. Enough. Enough of this. I need to give championship caliber coaches, championship caliber players, championship caliber organizations, an opportunity to grind it out. I'm not going to go as far as some people have said that this, you know, some of these guys are soft and some of these players are soft. Who knows? Who knows the dynamic? You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm not going to sit here and just totally pick sides. What I will say is with all the information that I do have and with all that I do know and with all that these eyes have seen, Eric Bieniemy comes from a winning organization. He comes from a winning culture. He comes from a hard-nosed culture. And this team has needed nothing more than a culture shakeup. So good. Take it. Take it. Because what I want is what he has. He's got those rings. I want those rings. And whether he rubs some players the wrong way or not, okay, guess what? This happens everywhere. This happens with all teams. More times than not, this is not in the news. Why? Because their coach can somehow not say anything to the media and just kind of play it cool. These are the kind of stories that come out after a team goes 3-13. and 13. After a team starts out 0-5. After a team is firing their coach in the middle of the season. These are stories you just can't let get out of the bag. You, you can't let that happen. Any of these conversations have to be held in-house. And when it comes to Eric Bieniemy, good. Get in people's faces. Get the best out of these guys. And you heard what his, his I just love his communication style. I, I love how he communicates. A lot of coach speak, sure. A lot of generalizations in there, sure. But I think this guy has proven in any, in some capacity or another, whether he's a future head coach or not, he's proven offensively to be able to get results. I want those results. If the process is hard, okay. If the process leads to some hurt feelings, okay. That's okay. I'll take it. The trade-off is worth it. And I, I think we have yet to see. So is anyone fully in the right here? I don't know. I know that Ron needs to talk less, and I know that Eric Bieniemy is a championship winner, so let's just run with our cards there. Let's let these guys, you know, work these problems out in-house, but more importantly, let, let's all realize that this is a culture who that has nothing, has no concept of winning. We haven't had it. We don't have it. We had it in our history books. We do not have it right now, and we need that. And when we have a guy in-house that, that has a taste of that and has a little bit of a formula of how to get there, Sometimes we got to follow that. Sometimes we got to follow that. But that's why the show is called Inside the Beltway, because here in our nation's capital of Washington, D.C., we are full of problems caused by people for absolutely no reason whatsoever to no benefit of anybody. That's life inside the Beltway here. Uh, let's get to, uh, before I let you guys go, let's get to our three things to watch for this week's preseason debut. 7.30 kickoff in Cleveland, Commanders versus the Browns. Three things I want to look for. Uh, one, I want to see this kicker battle. Uh, I want to see if Michael Badgley starts. I want to see how, how that kind of dynamic happens in game. Like we've seen them compete in camp, but how is that going to work in game? I, I want to watch that kicker battle, um, just to see exactly, 
I don't, are they going to switch quarters? Are they going to switch halves? Are they going to switch games? I'm, I'm not quite sure how that's going to go, but that kicker battle, I think, in person is going to be fun to see. Um, Michael Badgley versus uh, Joey Sly at that kicker position. Uh, my second thing I want to look for specifically is I, I want to see this guard depth. How do these guards look? Sadiq Charles at guard and Chris Paul at guard and, and Sam Cosme moving from tackle to guard. How does that look? I mean, because that is going to be desperately important. Sam Cosme's dealt with injuries. Um, obviously, um, our, our new tackle, Wiley, Andrew Wiley's dealt with injuries in the past. Nick Gates has dealt with injuries in the past. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, our, our depth, I think, is going to be really important. So let's, let's keep an eye on that guard depth. This offensive line is going to be really vital for this team's success. That's my number two takeaway. My number three takeaway is going to just be how much do they use Howell? Are they going to start him the first two drives and then Brissett takes it the rest and then Jake Fromm takes it the second half? How do the QB snaps get get kind of broken up? That's going to be re- really interesting to see. I just I don't think we're going to see starters really for, for much of, of anything more than probably the first half of the first quarter. I think game two, you're going to see the starters, and obviously game three, you're, you're probably not even going to see second-string guys out there. Really, the, I mean, look, the number one key is getting in and out of training camp preseason healthy, and I think there's just, I mean, there has been such an, an unbelievable focus on making sure that happens. So my three takeaways. What are those quarterbacks? How are they going to, going to break up, play? How's that going to look? Um, offensive line depth, how do they play? How do they look? Just look at Sadiq Charles. Look at guys like Chris Paul, who's, who's again, fighting as for that starting role um you just really focus in on that um because that's going to be very very important for this team and finally uh the kickers how are the kickers going to split their reps and what's that competition going to look like does joey sly run away with this competition like i think he will who knows only friday we'll be able to really tell uh kickoff at 7 30 commanders and browns preseason number one in cleveland ohio uh am i missing anything yes no well whatever either way i gotta get the hell out of here Inside the Beltway, episode one in the books. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, a reminder to everybody, if you would be so kind as to doing so, wherever you listen to this podcast, if it is on Apple, if it's on Spotify, if it's on, if you're asking Alexa, hey, Alexa, play on Amazon uh, Music, if it's on the Odyssey app, wherever you're listening to it, make sure you're giving us a five-star review. Make sure you're leaving a nice review. We don't like four stars or three stars or God forbid two or one. We love those five-star reviews. So go ahead and leave one of those that helps us out tremendously. Um, and we can keep getting you these podcasts right on out. Join us on Friday after further review returns. Normal time, Shawnee will be back in studio tomorrow to broadcast with us live again. But Inside the Beltway will return next week. We will recap everything that was our preseason game one and get you all the latest news and notes out of Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you on Friday on After Further Review. And as always, I'll catch you guys on the other side.